All right, good morning, everyone. All right. Isn't it good to beat the heat? I don't know about you, but I'm very glad that we have, um, that somebody invented something called air condition. <laughs> so, I don't know, but uh, my, my car, we had to purchase a new car after our old one pretty much gave up the ghost. And man, I tell you, even in our brand new car, our AC is working overtime. <laughs> And so uh, we're cruising with that thing on full blast. But thank God for AC. But thank God for our spiritual family. So so good here to be here with you guys this morning. Um, glad you chose to worship with us. We're going to continue in our series in the book of Acts. I was telling Pastor Matt this morning that, you know, um, we don't always uh, preach in this style as we go through an entire book. It, it's almost, um, I, I appreciate it so much. I almost wish we could do chapter by chapter. You know, it's kind of an expository style of, of, of studying uh, the Bible. But we don't have enough time to do that. And so we're kind of going through the timeline. Uh, we update you kind of as to what's going on in the book uh, as we're moving forward. And so last week, Pastor Matt talked about Paul and his first missionary journey, if you guys remember that. And he talked about being on mission. And so today we're going to continue in Paul's second missionary journey, we're going to be in Acts chapter 16, so you want to go ahead and prepare to turn there uh, to join me, but you know, there was a day and time when doorkeepers were common. You don't see them very much these days, uh, unless you go to Latin America or Asia. Then you see doorkeepers, and these guys are all decked out in military garb and with their M16s. Anybody ever seen that? That's what you call a doorkeeper, okay? They regulate who's coming in and who's going out, and that's their job. A doorman is someone who's responsible for controlling access to a building or to a specific area. One of the most famous doorkeepers in the world is responsible for admitting entrance to the most powerful leaders in the world. The doorkeeper and sergeant at arms of the United States Congress we're reminded of that doorkeeper's presence each year when he or she opens wide the entrance for the commander-in-chief to pass into the house chambers at the State of the Union address. It's a role established by the first Congress in 1789. The doorkeeper was commissioned to secure the doors of lawmakers' private sessions. And today, the doorkeeper oversees capital communications, law enforcement, and technology, ensuring the right access is given to the right people and at the right time. And there's another doorkeeper that we're going to talk about today that is more important than the one at the halls of Congress, and his name is Jesus. And the Bible says he closes doors that no man can open, and he opens doors that no man can shut, and he's responsible for the doorways of our lives. And what we have access to and what we do not have access to is what he's in control of, as well as what has or does not have access to us as, as believers. And so the idea of opening and closing doors appears in some form throughout the Bible several hundreds of times. And today we're going to get a great example of this as we take a look at the ministry of the Apostle Paul. Through his ministry, we're going to get a clear picture of how such doors do not open and close themselves. So again, last week, Pastor Matt we learned about the first missionary trip of Paul, uh, his first missionary journey of the church. That was in chapter 13. As we continue our series here in the book of Acts chapter 16, 
we're going to see today um, how this story represents our lives so significantly. So follow me to Acts chapter 16. We're going to start in verse 6. Uh, we're going to start off with these two verses, and then we'll pick up on the other verses as I make my points. And so today I have a very simple message that I hope, even though in its simplicity, it'll be profound in its effect on us. So starting in verse 6, it says, Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. Verse 8, so they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas. Lord, bless our time in your word. Holy Spirit, help us to understand, to glean, and to apply. Uh, empower us today, I pray in Jesus' name. God's people said, amen. So here we are. Paul is with Silas on a second missionary journey. They come across another disciple uh, named Timothy. Um, and some scholars believe that between the first missionary journey that we learned about last week and this one, mo uh, some scholars say it was about five years. And I don't know if they've actually landed on something, uh, but most would agree it would be kind of around that time. Um, and if you're like me, you might be surprised by what the Bible says. And here in verse 6, it says that they were kept by the Holy Spirit. Another version of the Bible says they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in Asia. Now, how many of you, that would be a dream come true? How many of you here are good at sharing your faith? You just, everybody who moves or walks by, you're just sharing your faith. Anybody? Okay. How many are like me and you tremble every time God says, hey, I want you to share with somebody? That's me. So if it says, the, if the Holy Spirit says, hey, I forbid you from preaching to that person, how many would go, thank you, Jesus? <laughs> Woo, that, that was close. So about two months ago, I was uh, at a gas station, and this, this happened to me. And uh, there was a, a guy who was in his truck. He was obviously having trouble. Um, and I was only there to buy a drink, and I'm going to tell on myself I didn't park in the parking. There was nobody else there, okay? So I parked under the gas where it was covered. And so I went in. I got my drink. Anybody else ever done that? Don't raise your hand. Um, and I was coming back out, and God began to speak to me. Hey, I want you to go talk to that guy. And I was like, oh, man, God, today? <laughs> really? All right. So I went over there, and I said, hey, is everything okay? And he was at the air station uh, trying to put water, um, but it required money. Even though you put money, it wasn't working. And so this guy was having some trouble. Uh, and so I just struck up a conversation with him in the hot sun. Thank you, Holy Spirit. And um, as we began to talk, it's funny how the Holy Spirit began to lead. And so we get into this conversation. We get to know each other, and we actually exchange numbers. Um, I walk away from this experience that was uh, really incredible, something that hasn't happened to me uh, in a while. Uh, but thank God I was obedient. I'll tell you more about that story a little bit later. But for most of us, <laughs> we're not good at being proactive in sharing our faith. And that's okay, okay, because you're in good company. Because even the disciples at times had trouble. Without the Holy Spirit, it would be impossible. Anyway, back to Paul and Silas and Timothy and his 
missionary crew, Paul had his heart set on going to Asia. Now, this is not the Asia as we know it. When we say Asia, we think Korea, we think Japan, we think Philippines, we think China, right? Mabuhai. That was from Mav. <laughs> but this was an area called uh, Asia Minor. And this was according to what the Romans understood uh, Asia was. And so Paul had his heart set there because it was in that area where they came from their first missionary journey, and it was quite successful. And so after they get back to their hometown, they're thinking, we're going to go back, and now we're going to just blast the place and plant a bunch of churches. Sounds pretty exciting, right? And so here he's thinking that that's going to be the way to go, and the Holy Spirit shuts that door. And then it's not that God didn't want him to go there. Matter of fact, we're going to read maybe uh, in a few weeks as we continue this series, maybe myself or Pastor Matt may pick this up, but the Apostle Paul actually spends a lot of time in a key city called Ephesus. A church is actually established there, and there's a book in the Bible that says a letter written to the Ephesian church. And so it's very significant, but here at this point, the Holy Spirit said, no, not right now. And so it was a closed door. Verse 7, as we're continuing in the chapter, says, And to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, The words of the Holy One, the true one, who has the key of David, who opens and no one will shut, who shuts and no one opens. I know your works. Behold, I have set before you an open door, which no one is able to shut. So what we see as a closed door, we don't see as a blessing. And the reason why we don't see it as a blessing is we like to be in control of our own path, don't we? And so we approach a door intending to open what we want to open. And so God intervenes and says, let me remind you who's doing the guiding. It's me. So the first thing, as I've studied this and, and I have these thoughts, there's three thoughts I want to kind of park on and talk about. And the first one is closed doors. Um, in verse 7 of the chapter we were in, uh, it says, When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas. Now, how many of you have ever had your heart set on something only to find that the door was shut? And a lot of times we lead our lives in such a way where we like to plan things out. We know what we want to study. We know what we want to major in. We know what career path we want to take. We know, have an idea of who we want to marry. So on and so on. And we put this on a dream sheet and then we put it on God's desk and say, God, can you just sign right here? Can you sign off? I got, I got this. Don't worry. I just, I just need your approval. And God's going, oh, time out. Time out. And we don't like the time out. By the time we get to the end of this message, you're going to thank God for that time out. We get upset and we get discouraged when we find closed doors. You may find this hard to believe, but closed doors, a lot of times, are God's blessing. And we're the ones, when we're driving and we're making our own decisions and we hit a dead end or we hit a roadblock and we hear God's GPS saying, recalculating or rerouting when we hold on to the wheel, when we don't surrender the wheel to him. 
And sometimes you find a door that won't open because this may surprise you. Maybe it's not your door. Maybe it's not your door. And so you don't see an answer. Maybe it just doesn't fit you. We have to remember that God is the great architect. The job of an architect, now my, my son, uh, who, by the way, just got accepted into the School of Architecture at UNLV, hallelujah. <laughs> Go on and make that money, boy. Help me retire. He's probably going to correct me, but from my understanding, my limited understanding, that the, the role of an architect is to design a place to be functional in which they think is the best way. And so God being the great architect has already designed your plans. And he knows where the doors go. And the thing about the plans is they are specific to you. And so sometimes we get to a door and it doesn't open and we get discouraged and God's going, no, 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 that wasn't your door. And then there's sometimes there's these delays and God's saying, you know what, I'm still building. That door's not there yet. How many are getting excited now? Like, so God, there's still a chance. Yes. He has a plan for everyone. He's the great architect. And he's the architect of the entire universe. And he knows where each door is best fitted for you. Turn to somebody and say, for you. Point at yourself, say, for me. Now look up and say, thank you, Lord. Okay, now that's saying you're going to trust him. Okay, we're getting there. We're getting there. And at the right time, God in his divine purpose and timing will suddenly show up with the right key and the right door and suddenly things will shift in your favor and suddenly things like opposition will go away and things that were a roadblock will open up if we trust him. When it's your time, God will open a door that will thrust you ahead if we trust him and that's the great I am. Jesus is saying, I am promotion. I am healing. I am your breakthrough. You might remember the story of Peter when he was in jail. He was in between all these other prisoners. And the Bible says that God is a very present help in times of trouble. And all of a sudden, the chains fall off and he's free. And every time God does something dramatic like that, dramatic like that it always involves other people. You might remember stories of the jailers wanted to kill themselves. And then God's people who were prisoners saying, no, no, don't do that. And rather than killing themselves, it leads to salvation or it leads to something else. That's the kind of God that we serve. Uh, now let's talk about something else. Faithful obedience. So we have closed doors. Say thank you God for closed doors. Thank you, God, for closed doors. Thank you, God. Just open mine later. <laughs> Acts chapter 16, verse 11 and 12, moving forward in the story, verse 9 says, During the night, uh, let's back up to verse 9. Sorry, I said 11. 
Uh, during the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. From Troas, we put out to sea, sailed straight for that place, and the next day we went on to Neapolis. From there, we traveled to Philippi, a Roman colony and the leading city of the district of Macedonia, and we stayed there several days. To Paul, this was a plan B. To God, this was plan A all along. If it's God's guidance that we want, then obedience to him is critical. Because why would you, to someone who hasn't even done the first thing that you said, as they're trying to get to point B and C and D, you're going, wait, 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 we're still in point A. And so obedience is critical if we really want God's guidance, if that's what we're after. One thing the Bible tells us is to not grow weary in doing good. God never gives us permission to quit. And so sometimes we, we hit a closed door or we hit a roadblock or a, sometimes it's just a speed bump. And what do we do? We get discouraged, we get frustrated, we get angry, we get sad, we get disappointed, and something happens and we throw in the towel. And we say, God, that's, that's it. And we don't go any further. Thank God that Paul and his crew didn't stop at the closed door. The Bible tells us that they continued on. They continued on in obedience to him. It was faithful obedience to God that kept them going. Now, here's what happens. When Paul saw the door to Asia Minor closed, of course, they kept going. And this is a great example to us. If Paul had not continued on, he would not have arrived at a place called Troas. And Troas is the place where he heard God's voice. And he heard God's voice dramatically. And it's the same with us. If we don't give up, and if we don't stop, you will get to a place where God goes, hi, I'm still here. Keep stepping forward. Keep going. And here's what you're going to do next. But you won't get to Troas if you stop and if you give up. And God never gives us permission to give up. Why is this critical? Because obedience shows God that we're not just hearing him, but we're carefully listening to him. And I'm glad at this point of my message, my wife is with the kids. So I'm not telling on her, this is actually going to promote her and show that she's right. And so she's the only woman in my, in my family. Now, in my household, we have uh, additional family members right now, so she's not the only woman now. But, but God bless her when there's nobody else around because it's three boys and just her. And one of the things that she'll do as she's talking to us is she says, you know, are you listening to me? And we say, yes, but what we really mean is, no, we hear you, but we're not listening. There's a difference. 
Hearing is passive. Hearing is just a reaction. Listening is active. You need to decipher. You need to figure out. And in my wife's definition of listening, it means taking action. And so, mothers, wives, how many times have you spoken to your husband or children? Husbands, you're still going to love me after this, I promise. But how many times have you repeated yourself three or four times? Hallelujah. Come on, women like, cheat, mm. Lord, Jesus. They're like, mm, pray for my husband. Lord, bless my husband. Those children you gave me. And so my wife will be like, can you take out the trash? Yeah. I heard her. Then I hear the footsteps come down the stairs. And I'm going, oh, what did she tell me to do? Hold on. And she'll say, did you take out the trash? And I'll go, oh, yeah. I, I, I was just about to get up. And, and she, that satisfies her. And she'll disappear. And she'll come back a third time, maybe 20 minutes later, and the trash still has not gone out. But when I hear her, I run and I grab it and I tie it up and the door is open and I wait just so she sees me and then, you know. (laughs) Obedience tells God that you're not just hearing, but you're listening. Listening means putting into action. Your action is proving to God that you're listening to him. It's obedience. It's obedience. Our obedience doesn't only affect me. Our obedience doesn't only affect you. It affects a multitude of other people. Let me put it another way. My disobedience doesn't only affect me. Your disobedience doesn't only affect you. It affects so many others. Paul, here's our example Because he was obedient and didn't quit when the doors closed, something amazing happened. What started with closed doors led to open hearts. It's the last thing we're going to talk about today. uh, One of the most famous Bible verses that you'll see on postcards, you'll see people post, and you'll probably finish it for me. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and in ways acknowledge it, listen, right? And and he will what? Direct your path, lead your path straight. All you all get an A. This is what we're talking about. Because Paul did that, it led to open hearts as we're Coming in to the end of this story, let me just say this. A lot had happened in the five years between the first missionary journey and the second one that we're talking about now. Paul had gone on journeys and came back and was in disagreements and had had, uh, parted ways with some other leaders. And it wasn't out of anything necessarily bad. It was just just different, you know, philosophies and... Uh, different uh, ideas. They, they had a disagreement of 
this other disciple that they were going to bring with them. One didn't want to, the other one did, and they finally said, you know what, let's just, let's just do what we're going to do. We're going to part ways, and, and God bless both, amen? And so uh, there was that, and I mean, there was just a whole lot of things that in my mind could have made um, all of these guys really quit and really, really stop. And I think about some of the things in my life where as I was following God, just some of the things that made me, that made me stop. And I think of those times, and man, God, if I would have just kept going back then. And I can remember uh, before uh, getting here uh, to the mainland, I was living in Guam and pastoring a church in Guam. It didn't start off that way. Uh, we were in the church, and, uh, and the, the former pastor... Um, had a different idea of what the church was supposed to look like. We started noticing that it wasn't what we, what God designed the church to be as a, as an every nation church. And so, as that uh, previous pastor started to go another way, the church started saying, "Wait, uh, we don't know if that's where we're supposed to go." Long story short. That pastor off-ramped. He was no longer in the picture. And so we had a church that was on the rocks. And so I was minding my own business. And they tapped on my shoulder and said, hey, you're probably the best person for this. And I'm going, hmm, hmm, me? And so we agreed and as this was happening, we were trying to get here to the States. We got to Guam because my dad was stationed there in the, in the Air Force. We had never heard of Guam in our life. Well, my dad said, the Air Force is sending us to Guam. Hooray, where is that? We got there and it was a great time. Spent a many, many years, probably almost half my life. I spent there, We'd always, I'd always end up there. My mom made it home. I'd go back and forth. And so, my open door was, was here in the States where, where I kind of grew up, where, where there was a lot of things to do. In Guam, we celebrated when we got the first Kmart. That's how much was there. And now it's different now. It's different now. I was like, God, why could you send me like at these times and not back then when there was nothing, you know, when there was only two-lane highways. And so it's, it's, it's blossomed. It's... It's, a, it's like a mini metropolis. It's like a smaller version of Hawaii. Um, and there's a lot there. Now, all the, all the national food chains and stores, they're, they're all there. So thank God uh, for that. But I'm not, I'm not there anymore. And so I was struggling. And I had been praying, God, send me, send me back to the States. Even when I got saved, the first, one of the first things I told my pastor, I was like, hey, I'm so glad I'm following God now. I'm going to follow God in the States. And he said, no, 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 no. God has plans for you here. And I said, yeah, but God hasn't told me. And then a gentleman by the name of Jim LaFoon, who many of you know, who has this really scary, accurate, prophetic gift. He prophesies over me, and there were three things that I had never told anybody, only my pastor. My mom was... Uh, doing business, had a very successful construction company. She started it right at the height of the, um, the hotel boom. 
when tourists started coming through. And so it was doing very well. And then I had just graduated high school. For the first time in my life, I had some ambition. My original plan was to live off my parents for the rest of my life. And God said, no, you will not do that. That's not responsible. And I was like, darn. The other thing was, um, so business uh, with my family, uh, going back to school, um, or sorry, I had just graduated high school, so going to college or coming back to the States, those three things. And he prophesied over me those exact three things. And as he was prophesying, I got sad because <laughs> I knew what he was going to say. You might be going to the States, but not right now. And I remember hearing this, and after those three things, that no, I, there's no way he could have known because I looked at my pastor and he said, Matter of fact, I remember Pastor Jim LaFoon, when he got there, he told my pastor, hey, take me to your church and lock me inside. I don't want to meet anybody before I prophesy over them. So that happens. And had I stopped at that closed door, I never would have had the opportunity to serve in this awesome church that we have in the islands. And so... I remember when I first took the church after the previous pastor left, my story is similar to Pastor Brett Fuller. Pastor Brett Fuller said, when I took over our church years ago as a young pastor, I successfully grew it from like 140 to 30. (laughs) It's the same thing that happened when I took the church. It just regressed. It's a scary thing to me as, I, as, as we helped the church, and again, we were still trying to get to the States. We just had a pit stop. What happened was um, God began to bless it and began to bless the work again, and the church began to thrive again. We hit about 200 people, and me and my wife prayed. We said, you know, we feel like this is healthy. And we prayed, God, could this be the time that we make the move? And we got the green light. We handed this church off to our associate pastor at the time. His name is Mark Beneventi. And he's actually from the island of Guam. It's very rare to find a minister that's actually indigenous to the island. So he's an incredible guy. Right now that church is about 450 people. And so God has doors for everybody. And they may not look like the doors that we want. But if we are sensitive to him and we listen to him and we do what he says as we're walking with him. There's nothing that you and I can do to interrupt our destiny if God has that plan for you. He's the great architect. And so we're blessed to have done that and now we're here in the mainland where we've always wanted to be. But even as Paul didn't give up, there, I mean, I remember thinking back then, man, God, what am I, what am I doing here? It was troublesome to take that church. Some dear friends of ours were nowhere in the picture anymore. I mean, it was crazy. But God blessed it because it was his plans. Sometimes when we hit a door, we ask God, what, what God, if this wasn't it, what is your will? Oh, no, what is, what is the will of God? That's the real question. Not what do I do next, but God, what is your will? And we find out what God's doing and then we just jump into that. That's what he really wants us to do. 
I kind of went on a rabbit trail. Give me about three more minutes. Uh, I'm going to read this last passage uh, in our message today. Verse 13. It says, On the Sabbath we went outside the city gate to the river where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and began to speak to the women who had gathered there. One of those listening was a woman from the city of uh, Thyatira. Thyatira, I think is the proper pronunciation. Um, her name was Lydia, and she was a dealer in purple cloth. If you guys understand the, that, the meaning of that color. There, there's, there's, she was a dealer in, in uh, exotic things and in luxurious things, put it that way. Like today would have been like maybe a luxury car dealer. Maybe not the level of a, a jet company, but, but she was up there. And it says... She was a worshiper of God. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. When she and the members of her household were baptized, she invited us to her home. If you, she said, if you consider me a believer in the Lord, come and stay at my house. And she persuaded us. Now, if you're looking at the surface of this verse, you're not going to get all the meaning in it. We started off by saying that Jesus is the divine doorkeeper. We agree? He's the divine doorkeeper. He doesn't just open doors. He opens hearts. And what's significant in this part of the story is that Paul's strategy, as we learned last week, was to go to cities and towns where there was a Jewish synagogue. After all, his past life, he was a Pharisee. And he still carried that clout. So any synagogue he walked into, people would have been like, wow, we are honored to have somebody of your stature, Paul, you know, or Saul at the time. You know, we, and so he, that was his strategy, to go to any town and city with a synagogue. Well, he wanted to go back and plant churches at the place where they first started, thinking we're going to blitz this place. The Holy Spirit says, ah, no, you're not. He doesn't stop. He continues on to this place and he meets this woman. And so the first thing Paul is probably thinking is, let's go straight to the synagogue. And he goes and they say, there is no synagogue. There's no Jewish synagogue here. And what's significant about that is that in order to start a synagogue, you need at least 10 Jewish people, 10 Jewish men to start a synagogue. Matter of fact, if you end up having 10 uh, Jewish men, you're supposed to start a synagogue. There's no excuses. There's 10 of you, start a synagogue. But he gets there and there's no synagogue. And you know what this tells us? That this was a place that was completely unreached. And this was the doorway to the rest of the nations that we read about in the Bible. Had Paul stopped at the closed door you and I would not be saved today. He wanted to go to Asia. God's plan was to go to Europe. And it spread Western to us. And now we have the privilege of knowing God and serving him. Because of Paul's obedience, God didn't just open doors, he opened hearts. And it was the beginning of this great missionary push to the nations. This lady arguably could be the first converted person internationally, so to speak, 
from their point of view. They get to this new continent and Paul's strategy fails. How many have ever had something fail? You had it planned and and you executed and it didn't work. She was the first convert on this mission. It was only the beginning of many hearts that would be opened as the gospel spread across the rest of the earth. Because of Paul's obedience, many hearts, including ours, were open. And here's the thing. When we read about the verse where it says there was a man, remember in Paul's dream? And there's somebody saying, hey, don't go there. Come to Macedonia. Come and help us. I can't help but to wonder if Paul got there and got to this place where they were praying because there was no synagogue, but they could probably get together and pray. And he's going, wait a minute. I didn't know the man in my dream was going to end up being a woman. God can throw some curveballs, can't he? But when it's according to his plan and his purpose, get ready. Get ready. It's going to be so much more than what you ever bargained for in a good way. So if you're up against a closed door, you might want to be counting your blessings because sometimes God is saying, oh, your plan is too small. That's what he was telling Paul. Oh, Asia Minor? Great. I'm thinking rest of the world, Paul. No to that. Just continue on. Later on, Paul does come back to that area and the church tears it up. I mean, they plant churches and we establish churches. But what I'm saying is don't allow closed doors to discourage you or or cause you to, to quit or throw in the towel. Just keep going. You will hear God's voice. And remember we said our obedience doesn't just affect us. It affects others. Paul's obedience opened the door to the rest of the world. The gospel went worldwide because of his obedience. But again, Jesus takes this even further. Not only is he the doorkeeper, Luke 10, 9 says, I am the door. Jesus says, I am the door. And he says, if anyone enters by me, he'll be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. Maybe you're here today and you realize you've been encountering the wrong doors. Maybe you've been encountering delays. You shake a doorknob, it's locked, and you don't have any keys. And maybe you feel stuck because the doors aren't opening. Here's what Jesus is saying. If you want a life of open doors that are carefully planned, start with me. Start with me. I am the door. I want to pray for you. Would you bow your heads? Thank you, Lord. Father, thank you for the interruption of the Holy Spirit. Lord, I thank you that, Lord, your word says that to man belong the plans of the heart, but from the Lord comes the reply of the tongue. It says, many a man's ways seem good to him, but in the end lead to destruction. 
Lord, help us to trust you and to know that, Lord, you've got this all figured out. You've had this plan before we even existed. But we have to start with you. If you're here today and you haven't gone through the door and you don't have a relationship with Jesus and you want to have a relationship with him today, we're going to pray together. I just want to know who I'm praying with specifically. But without anybody looking around, if that's you, when you get your heart right with God, would you raise your hand? God bless you. Anybody else? Is there anybody else? Great. For the sake of this one person, can we all stand to our feet? And we're going to stand in prayer with them. Say, Jesus, thank you. Forgive. I'm the one who was wrong. I admit I'm the sinner. But I ask for your forgiveness. I believe that you died for me and that your blood can cleanse me of all my sin. I ask you, I invite you to come into my heart, come into my life, and change me and make me a new person. Give me the grace to follow you from this day forward. In Jesus' name. Amen.